Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. All right, can everyone hear me? Welcome, welcome friends and family. Um, welcome to the Sustainability Learning Center. Glad to see everyone, it's a great crew. If anyone wants to climb in here and sneak in, otherwise standing room, about 20 minutes. So thank you for joining. Um, my name is Anna Glam. I am an executive director with JLL. Uh, very excited to host this learning center as sustainability and responsible activities and behavior is a very important thing for JLL right now, uh, well, for all of us here who have joined. And uh, one thing that we're doing, if you haven't stopped by our JLL booth, is JLL's partnered with Boxwater. And if you take a picture of yourself, post a selfie, hashtag JLL, hashtag, I gotta get this right, better planet, uh, Boxwater and JLL will plant two trees as a carbon offset. So pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff, but refillable, reusable, um, take them home. Anyways, here to, uh, here to introduce Chris and the team here who are gonna talk to us today about uh, best practices and lessons learned in EV and implementation. Please, interactive, um, hand it over to you, and sure. good luck, best wishes. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, I'm Chris Barr. I lead global EV solutions for CBRE, and I've uh, asked Chris Brookman, who's our director of business development to join, deep uh, subject matter expert, and Mike Fogarty, who leads channels and partnerships for us. And uh, we're really excited to talk about EV charging with you today. Um, first, I'd like to just ask a couple questions about you. Uh, how many of you are end users? Great, and how many are suppliers? Perfect, okay. And um, we're gonna take about 20 minutes and uh, hopefully fly through about 10 or 11 charts, leave time for you to ask questions so this can be interactive. That's what we're really driving to get to. Um, let me ask one other question. In your families, broadly speaking, how many of you have a, a vehicle that plugs in today? Wow, that's, that's above average. So if you think about 8% of new cars sold today have some sort of plug, whether it's hybrid or complete EV. Um, now let's ask the other question. How many people plan to buy one within the next five years for you or your families? It's a lot, right? Like 70 plus percent, so quite high. Um, we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about the benefit of workplace charging. We're going to talk about some of the challenges associated with workplace charging. So um, some of the things that we've seen, seen in the market, some of the lessons learned. And we're going to share some of the tools that we use to uh, help end users to make decisions about EV charging. Um, we're focused on workplace today, uh, but we are more than happy outside of this session to talk to you about fleet or talk to you about retail or destination charging or on-the-go fast charging in the form of hubs or depots, things like that. We'll, we cover it all, but we thought that the, uh, that the right thing for this audience was really to be focused on workplace. Um, so let's just um, let's jump in. So we get the, uh, okay, so when it comes to benefits, particularly when it comes to workplace charging, uh, certainly, it's, it's a help to meet sustainability goals. Uh, it helps to retain and attract talent, right? And so, you know, there are a, a whole new generation of new car buyers, many of whom are very motivated to buy electric vehicles. You can buy a Chevrolet Volt today after the rebate for about $17,500. So the, the drivers of EVs are skewing much younger. 
and many of those folks live in uh, multifamily residences. They don't have off-street parking, and they're going to be looking to charge at work. Um, and um, and so then you know, also supporting return to office. It's another form of a, an amenity. If you choose for, to be an amenity, uh, you can give it away for free. You can charge break even. You can make a little profit. Uh, it all depends on the business model that you choose for your business. Some of the challenges are that uh, there's inconsistent design across sites. So you may have piloted something in one place, uh, or maybe in two places or three places with different companies. And those chargers have different support uh, forms of support. Some may be down. Uh, you may be finding that it's hard to you know, um, get those serviced from an operations and maintenance point of view. And usually, that's a reflection that there wasn't an overall corporate strategy up front for the charging infrastructure. There are too many options out there. Uh, you may be on the receiving end of inbound calls from people who manufacture hardware and software for this space, from service providers. Uh, there's a slew of people you know, working to fill uh, the demand. There's complex landlord relationships. And so uh, you know, throughout every EV charging project or initiative, there is a theme of real estate that runs through it. And then ultimately, uh, there's impact on the electricity spend, including you know, challenges with access to power and things like that. This is our value proposition. This is how we look at uh, the way that we deliver value. It usually starts here with plan, find, and transact. That's about making decisions about where to put the chargers, how many chargers to put in place. Then ultimately, that's really our advisory and transaction team starts at the beginning of the funnel move over to design, build, and electrify. That's the installation of the chargers. And that's uh, our, our project management team does that. And then we move into operation and maintenance, which is our facilities management team. So our EV solutions value proposition strongly parallels our overall value proposition uh, as CBRE. And we're happy to talk to more about this afterwards. We're going to be at the booth. I won't spend too much time on this one. I just want to show you a little bit of a breakdown of the solution and get to the meat of the presentation, which is leveraging some of the trends observed through cross-sector client engagements. These are some of the things that we've been learning along the way here, and I'll turn it over to Chris. Thanks, Chris. So a few market observations that we've seen with really every client engagement, um, the number one being primarily widespread uncertainty of what to do, uh, what the rate of adoption is going to be, utilization at the site is going to be, and how to plan for that and set a strategy. Um, once you've come up with a baseline strategy, what is future-proofing going to look like? How are you going to protect that investment and prepare yourselves for 2025, 2030, and beyond as this technology evolves and adoption triples, quadruples uh, year over year? Um, and then the cost of that infrastructure, generally speaking, getting the make ready prepared for that site is going to be far more expensive than the chargers itself. So taking into account uh, your lease arrangements, the civil uh, work that's going to be done, not needing to rip up your parking lot every three, four, five years to allow for additional capacity are all part of developing a workplace strategy within the EV space. which leads us to a tool we're very excited about. It's something we've been developing. Um, it does utilize a lot of proprietary data that we have access to as well as public facing data 
but it's to answer that initial baseline question of what should we do. It can be utilized for a single site, it can be across a portfolio. We've taken into account a myriad of different data points to where we're able to simplify it down to some basic inputs here across the top, give you an output of what we believe you need day one, and this is meant to be the baseline that then generates a conversation on why this may or may not be exactly what you need, but puts you in a position to follow these market trends and prepare and budget for future expansion. These are just a few of the data points that have gone in, and it's a constantly evolving list as we get new data to feed into the model. So for something like a portfolio, this would be, say, an output looking at several sites on what we feel based on the sector you're in, the locations, what you would potentially need to put in from, say, a, a conservative approach to EV charging for workplace day one, as well as what to plan for in 2030. This is extremely important when looking at the overall strategy and how you're going to scale because there's a level of modularity you can build into your infrastructure to go ahead and put in that pipe and wire, pre-provision some of your electrical infrastructure to prepare yourself for two years out adding 50 more chargers, a year after that 100 more chargers, and already having that in mind today so that you can go to executive leadership and set those budgets long term. And again, this is extremely flexible, so this can be changed and modified throughout the life cycle of your program. And off to Mike. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. So the first statement on there in bold, required infrastructure. So people are going to say, well, why is that? I'm a renter, and I don't have access to charging at my residence, so I need to charge at work. A stat for you, which is a fact across the nation, across North America and Europe, 90% of charging occurs at home or at the workplace. Everyone gets enamored with these high-speed charging corridors and the highways. Very important to fill in those little, you know, that 10% gap. It is going to transform from an amenity to a required infrastructure. And to that point, earlier this morning, they talked. Uh, the keynote speaker talked about the social contract, getting people back to work, and maybe not living in Costa Rica, but but actually leading the, the transformation of change, the number one requirement for lease renewals now is the addition of EV charging. So it is absolutely a today thing. It's going to garner increased adoption in back into the workforce. It's going to allow you to, for landlords to increase rents, tie it into leases, and for the occupiers to retain their employees who demand this service. So it's absolutely changing from an amenity. Uh, it's complex, right? There's been a lot of changes in the EV market. There's different brands coming in that have different types of adapters or charging ports. There's different incentives available by area. There's tax incentives available by state, by federal. Basically, it's complex, but we have done this over and over again. I come from a background of doing this with a company in the EV charging space that's public for six years. We know how to do it. We know how to do it repeatedly. So rely on experts that can guide you through this process of getting the installation done the right way. Uh, there are some really unique partnerships that are taking place in the industry right now. The Seven Automotive OEM Consortium is, is yet the latest example of this ever-evolving space where everyone is looking to try to find good standards, best practices, and companies like us, and I'm sure many of you are going to be involved in those discussions to help shape what you need from 
a oil and gas from a from a utility requirement, who you're working with, grants and incentives, how do you basically work this infrastructure that is very complex and you need to be a voice in that and we can help in that, that regard. And then timely project delivery. Uh, the biggest challenge in getting EV charging in the ground today really is the utilities. And, and there are many programs and incentives available through the utilities that can delay it. There are permitting requirements that if you know how to streamline those that can get them in ground quicker. So again, work with trusted partners that have the ability to either acquire equipment, work with the uh, different AHA agencies that are issuing permits to help scale this very in a better time to market. So a lot of regulations, policy, you know, and this is not a political statement, policy is a big factor, um, whether it's at a federal level or a state level. Many, many states, namely California to start, are enacting carbon taxes or carbon penalties on companies for not having EV charging or a green infrastructure. There's incentives, there are, excuse me, mandates in states beyond California that will stop the sale of internal combustion engine cars by 2030. So put politics aside, the, the train is, is way down the tracks on this, that you're going to need to have EV charging in order to, supply, to support the requirements of your end users. Uh, funding, so a lot of money out there as part of the policy piece, and what you really want to avoid is stranded assets, right? You're going to have incumbents come into the space. Uh, years back, GE tried to get into EV charging. Eaton tried to get into EV charging. These are big industrial conglomerates that then sold those assets. We've seen... Uh, We've seen continued uh, consolidation in the space, you know, Semiconnect being bought by Blink, uh, Ampli to BP, and on and on and on. You're going to see more of that. So it's very important that as you look at assets you want to put in the ground, that those assets are then going to be there in five and ten years and are with reliable companies that you know and can trust on. And then lastly, it very much kind of goes into the last point, is that, you know, future-proofing and protection, once the ground is open, you have an opportunity to add additional capacity for the future, meaning you don't need to put in all the chargers today, but once the ground is open, laying conduit is cheap, doing some intelligent things in the design build process that allows you to future proof is critical. And just ask for the assistance from folks that have done this for years and be glad to help. And I'm gonna turn this to uh, Chris Barr. Sure. Okay, thanks so much for your time and attention. We'd like to answer any questions that you have. Um, there are lots of opportunities here as, as end users, um, as occupiers, uh, to do exciting new things with your parking assets. And Mike mentioned uh, briefly that the seven OEM uh, joint venture that's been announced, um, that they have publicly stated that they want to build 30,000 fast charge points uh, over the next seven to ten years, uh, that's a lot. So that just happens to be about the number of fast charge points that Tesla's already built or is on the path to build. And it's very clearly set up as uh, competition to that. But it's an example of the type of marquee organization, along with Tesla, that's looking for places to build charging. And there are all sorts of unique partnerships out there if, you, if you're looking to uh, you know, take that on. So um, any questions? Any brave souls? Yes. What's the average cost yeah. at an office building? 
Okay. The, the question is, what is the average cost at an office building? And so typically, uh, for an office building, you have a long dwell time. So people typically come to work for you know a long period of time. So you can use a relatively what we would call a slow charger or a level two charger. And um, I think we had one stat up there. What did you have for the, the range on the... Uh, So there's a lot that can go into that, um, but if you boil it down, there's really four different archetypes of deployments that would happen within the world of charging. So it's going to be like a 280 or 208 or a 480 deployment, and then you're looking at a large civil deployment like a parking garage, or you're looking or a parking lot, or something simple like overhead pipe and wire in a parking garage. We do have some estimates that we build in here from a ROM cost perspective, indicative pricing. Um, so, so on this example that's that's up and is, is that the range depending on what you go with is between six thousand to eleven thousand per charger for third party spend to do the installation, and then in this case it's fifty five. The price here is fifty five hundred dollars per charger, um, but this is exactly the type of question that we work to answer for you. And there are a ton of variables. It's a it's a little bit like saying to a real estate agent, you know, I'd like a place to live. You've got to ask a few questions. You want to, you know, do you want to five-bedroom house in the suburbs or a, or a studio in the, you know, in the city. And so that's the process that we go through and to understand your, you know, business objectives. Good question. Thanks. So this is a very broad question and I know it really can't be answered. Sure. Um, what are the, when a landlord puts them in, yep. what is the anticipated rent increase? And I understand just in a broad... Sure. So the question is, um, if you're a landlord and you put them in, what kind of um, price appreciation can you expect for the for the leasing of, of the property? Right? Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. So again, broad, hard to hard to answer. Uh, and um, what we see is that um, is that the landlords who are moving first are the ones who are getting the access to the power. They're able to kind of run their own game. And uh, the ones who are being laggards and kind of taking their time are, are going to get stuck in line for transformers, access to power. And I think the downside is bigger than the upside at the moment, right? So it's more likely to become a pain point because it's not there rather than a pain, you know, a positive because it is there. Um, and in general, depending on the model that you, that you take, um, you know, there are providers who will pay you lease pay you lease payments for parking spots and that's very dependent upon your location you know if you're in miami if you're in silicon valley yeah it's an awesome question so you know a couple variables too is do they want the occupier to then own the asset basically or lease the asset and then pay for the electricity and then mark that up to their employees or do they want to offer it for free free to their employees uh, what is the existing utility programs that are going to pay for the charges themselves so lots of variables same same to your question which are awesome they're the two hardest questions so i'm, I'm glad they, they came up front which is fantastic um, in the end, I think what Chris is saying is that this industry does offer a ton of potential and different stakeholders have to align, you know, whether property owner, property manager, manager, and then the occupier need to have some alignment on the structure that they want out of the deal. The owner, a landlord, 
obviously is putting a capital improvement by adding EV charging. They do get access to a, what's called a 90C, a 30C tax credit. So it's a direct tax credit back to them. People love tax credits, not deductions. Uh, so that's one one other avenue of consideration. And then there are models where they could include that into the lease for their, their occupiers. What's that? Yeah, corporate space versus retail, um, it's highly dependent on the utilization. So if you have a large site and, and you can guarantee high utilization to a partner, then they're not going to necessarily um, care if it's retail or if it's a workplace. It's really about the utilization. Average lease term is a minimum of 10 years for, for a CPO. They like longer, like double that. Yeah, it, it, it depends again on utilization, right, um, on the model. These are all great questions. Who else? Yep. 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 Yeah, another really good question. Uh, the question is about take-home fleets and uh, employers installing chargers at employees' homes. Uh, that is that is something that's happening. CBRE, we have a large fleet, and uh, many of our uh, technicians take the CBRE vans that service our clients' home. Uh, it's very tricky. There are liability issues. There are tax issues. There are access to power issues. And I think ultimately what you will see and what we're talking to many clients about is how do you move back to your to, to, to your properties or establish new properties to you know have e overnight EV charging in one place. There also are a number of models out there, companies building uh, depots that you can buy a share in, right? You could buy just overnight charging for five vehicles if it's in the right place. And so what you need to do is you need to take a look at the entire fleet, understand the routes, and then come up with a, a solution that could be a, a combination of these things. Uh, to, to actually make that transition from an internal combustion fleet to an to a electric fleet. So, great question. Who else? Okay, well, thanks so much for your attention. We are, are answering these questions all day, every day, and would love to uh, talk to you about what you're thinking about. So, thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.